Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi everybody, this is Jerry Bryant, and welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show where we take you back to where it all began, more specifically the contemporary Christian music of the 1970s and 80s. Now on this episode, I'm so excited. I have a special guest, Paul Clark. Now those of you who are around back in the day know of Paul's contribution to the Jesus movement during those formative years. And this episode will only be part one because we had so much to talk about. A short introduction is in order for those of you who don't know about this multi-talented artist. Actually, Paul is a serious legend an inspired songwriter and musician who spent the last 40 years proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art of progressive music and photography. Born in Kansas City, Paul grew up in a diversified environment, which he talks about on his website at www.paulclarkmusic.com. That's paulclarkmusic.com. And in it, he says of his upbringing, my grandfather the son of a German immigrant and a Wild West pioneer taught me the value of hard labor and the joy of building with my hands. My grandmother, a hearing aid dependent literature teacher, gave me a love for words and a spirit of compassion. My father, a trial attorney and tireless sports companion, showed me wisdom, knowledge, mercy, justice, and healthy competitiveness. Last but not least, my mother, an interior designer and constant cheerleader, pointed me to the canvas with its limitless colors and depth of feel. You know, I personally have known Paul for almost all of those 40 years, and although our paths have not crossed as much as I would have liked in the past 20 years, when I heard he was coming to town, I just had to give him a call and catch up with what's going on in his life. Now, as much as I've enjoyed talking to him on Facebook, well, it's just not been enough. I wanted some face-to-face reminiscing of some of those early beginnings that we both were a part of back in the early 70s. After we settled behind the mic in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios here in Nashville, I asked him to recall how he ended up becoming a musician in the first place. My musical background was uh, I was a drummer first, and um, I grew up as a young man listening to, I was infatuated with jazz. My parents had a very eclectic jazz collection of uh, not standard people, I had standards, but uh, I was obsessed with like Errol Garner and Miles Davis and uh, Ramsey Lewis and Wes Montgomery, just on and on, and, and it gave me a love for music. As a young man, uh, in 1955, I was just a little, little boy, I mean, three years old. And I remember the A's, Kansas City A's baseball team moved from Philadelphia, Kansas City, came to Kansas City. My dad's law firm bought front row seats behind the visitor's dugout. And uh, we went to a lot of games growing up from three on. 
And between 22nd and Brooklyn and 19th and 18th and Vine, where my dad parked, were all the jazz juke joints and stuff. And so I really grew up listening to incredible jazz music in Kansas City and blues. And that influenced me. But then this band came along one Sunday night. I was watching on TV on the Ed Sullivan Show. And they were called The Beatles. And the world changed that night. The lights went out of my jazz interest. And on came Beatlemania. And I went out the next day and bought a Black Oyster Pearl drum set, just like Ringo's Ludwig set, and uh, played drums all the way until the first year of college, 1969. And um, at that point, I was hanging out at coffee houses a lot and watching folk singers. I noticed they were playing three, four, five chords and using capos and just writing songs for song. And I'd always written lyrics. So I, I, I thought, you know, if I could learn a few chords, I could, I could write those songs that are rolling around my head all the time. And uh, that's why I made the switch to guitar. This is Full Circle. This is Jerry Bryant. And for those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking with my special guest, Paul Clark, about his early musical background. Now, soon after he got that drum kit, he saw Ringo Starr play. He started a band with a couple of friends called the Commotions. Unfortunately, commotion was the path of Paul's mid-teens. The whirlpool of drugs and social rebellion nearly drowned him, but his life took a miraculous turn from commotion to devotion as he witnessed something far greater than what he had seen in those baseball stadiums. In my conversation with Paul, he discussed this transformation and what the Lord had done for him. I did not come out of church. What happened was... um when I moved, uh, the spring of, uh, like March of 1970, they closed down the University of Kansas campus due to violence. That was a Kent State time and all that. Uh, myself and four of the guys moved to Colorado to a little log cabin at almost 10,000 feet on Berthoud Pass. And it was there that I started trying to write songs. It was there that I also uh, received a box of books from my grandmother about Jesus Christ. And I prayed a prayer in the back of one of those books about being a disciple, about following Jesus. And literally the next morning, walked on the front porch in a song called The Looking Glass Incident poured out of my mouth. In like 30 minutes, it was over. It was weird. That happened to me eight days in a row. Uh, all the songs on Songs in the Volume 1, I wrote without even owning the Bible, without having any Bible teaching. <laughs> it's a confirmation to me of the calling because uh, they're all really theologically sound. They're testimonial in nature and, and uh, everything from the Lord coming back again to being a soldier in God's army and you know, I was influenced by people. Uh, musically, I listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell, Crowdstills Stills and Nash, the Beatles, those kind of people influenced me. So naturally, as I resonated with that style of music, the kind of folky rock, country rock uh, stuff, it definitely influenced my writing, no doubt about it. I gazed into a looking glass and what did I see? A face that looked somewhat like mine was staring back at me His voice was soft and easy And before he left he said I'd like to save your life Before you're dead I begged him not to hurry But he drifted out of sight his face it was replaced by a bright and shining light And then I saw the answer written plainly on my wall 
teach this to your friends before they fall. So if you all will come along and join me in this song, we can learn to teach our hearts to be free. Just come by faith, be not afraid, for your ticket it has been paid by a man named Jesus Christ from Galilee. Join me in this song. We can learn to teach our hearts to be free. Just come by faith, be not afraid. For your ticket it has been paid by a man named Jesus Christ from Galilee. By a man named Jesus Christ from. Galilee, by a man named Jesus Christ, from Galilee. Mm-hmm. Paul Clark with one of the first Jesus music songs he ever wrote called Looking Glass Incident from his 1972 debut album Songs from the Savior Volume 1 I used to play that song in particular the first few weeks of my Jesus solid rock radio show which also debuted in 1972 In the course of his 40 years of recording Jesus music, Paul's completed 17 solo recording projects, written over 400 songs, produced records for several artists, served as worship leader as well as an author and published photographer. The voyage of Paul Clark continues on, and he's traveled hundreds of thousands of miles on several continents, still fueled by the joy of the Lord. So I asked Paul about another song on that first album called Song for Salvation. And here's what he had to say. That's the first song I ever wrote on piano. Uh, It was just a simple prayer. I wrote a prayer out, actually. I was running a Christian, I started a Christian coffee house in Denver called The Narrow Gate. And I mean, every day we were leading just dozens of people to Christ. It was an amazing outpour of the Holy Spirit back then. And uh, I decided to write out a prayer that I could actually, at the end of my little set, that I could lead people in a prayer received Christ. I didn't even know that the pastors did this kind of thing. And I wrote that prayer out, and it was Jesus coming to me, although I'm not worthy to sit at your table. I met, because we had co- we had tables in the coffee shop, these old uh, big Southwestern Bell 
spools, wooden spools for cabling. We, we use those for coffee shop tables. And I would always relate to you're sitting at the table of God with God right now. You don't need to be in a church. And that's I wrote that song. I wrote it on piano at the, at the church I was attending, Redeemer Temple in Denver. And that was it. <laughs> Jesus, come in me. Although I'm not worthy to sit at your you for making me able to be a part of your body that moves so freely in a world so confusing that some are losing what they came here for to find your door I remember long ago I didn't even know that you Just to set me free From the world of sin You know that's where I've been In my life until now So I'll take the vow my knees shall bow and surrender to you. Mm-hmm. Please teach me how to pray, cause I don't know what to say. Make me humble and me make me strong when I am weak oh spirit intercede I pray you'll meet my need take away all of my Abide in the arms of your loving grace. Clark and Song for Salvation on Full Circle Jesus Music. Back to where it all began. By the way, do you recall what your favorite early Paul Clark song was? If so, drop me a line at info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. 
That's info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. And stay tuned as we continue talking with our special guest. Coming up next, another memory from the Songs from the Savior classic. Back to where it all began, the Full Circle. This is Jerry Bryant, and on this special edition, Paul Clark's my guest. And the next song is the last song we'll be featuring from Paul's debut album, recorded in 1971 and released in March of 1972. Songs from the Savior, one of the first contemporary Christian Jesus music albums. Musically, the album had a mellow blend of songs, many of which emphasized Paul's acoustic guitar playing, lyrically. It had a message saturated with the good news of Jesus Christ. From the testimonial Looking Glass incident, which we heard from at the beginning of this show, to the uplifting will soon be going home. This album helped strengthen many new believers of the early 70s Jesus movement. Earlier in our conversation, Paul revealed that he had not used the Bible as a reference on any of the songs written for the album. But... When it came time to write the liner notes for the album, it was amazing to see how many scriptures related to each song and were noted on the liner. In fact, the featured song has five passages from God's Word to be used as a guide for a mini Bible study companion to the track, including 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Ephesians 6, 11 through 19, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, Hebrews 4, 12, and Revelation 12:11. Here to tell us more about the song is Paul Clark. Full circle. Third song I wrote was "Make Me a Soldier of Your Army," and it came out of that book about being a soldier in God's army. And I, that's what got my attention. See, I knew you could be a believer in Jesus. Uh, that was like Diet Coke to me. I was a radical hippie. I remember I was a you know a unlicensed pharmaceutical representative, you know, heavy drug user, a militant hippie throwing stuff at the RTC building, you know, that kind of person. So a, a very lethargic, you know, half-hearted Christianity was not going to fit, be the shoes for my feet to fit into. I needed something radical. So when I read the call to discipleship, that's what influenced me. And really, Jerry, to be honest with you, it's nearly 40 years later, and it's still about being a disciple. I just got back from Israel. We talked about this last night when I came in. And when I was in Israel, God reminded me once again he is a righteous, jealous lover. He doesn't want believers. He wants lovers and disciples and warriors. You know, believers, yes, he loves all mankind, including believers, nominal believers. But, you know, and maybe I get ahead of myself here, but we're going to go with this interview, but I'm going to stay with it for a second because I feel a fresh uh, call to exhort and encourage people that, uh, look, it's 40 years later in my life, and um, I'm still in love with Jesus. It has nothing to do with churches or in fact, it's got nothing to do with churches. Uh, I'm in love with Jesus Christ. I'm passionate about him. And he's a righteous, jealous lover. He wants to be a lover of your of your soul. He wants you to give him your love. And that's imperative to be. You can't be a disciple and not be in love. You know, no one marries somebody just because they're cute. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more involved than that. So it's the same thing with following Jesus. In fact, uh, I'm wearing a ring on my hand that has, if I forget the O Jerusalem, let me forget the skill with my right hand to play the lute. And that's pretty much my life story right now still, is that I'm in love with Jesus, and he's given me a gift. 
write from songs from Saver Volume 1 to today. I fucking write the best songs of my life, and I've got more to say than ever because I've got 40 years of experience under my belt. Oh, Lord, have mercy on my Don't let the devil take control Remove this darkness for eternity Make me a soldier of your With very early Jesus music songs, songs that we should never forget, songs that ushered in the beginning of contemporary Christian music. 
We now move on to his second album, which was a sequel to the first appropriately titled Songs from the Savior, Volume 2. Recorded in August of 1972 and released in 1973. Now, let me give you an overview of the album. Volume 2 picked up on the rural theme of Volume 1 with a heavier approach sounding more like a full band with some folk rock moves reminiscent of Van Morrison and Neil Young. A dash of acid guitar and reverse edit psychedelia are pleasant surprises while the ballads sparkle with better production, including Let Us Climb the Hill Together, one of Paul's most famous wedding songs. The first song, You Must Be Born Again, opens the door for a collection of songs which instruct and challenge us on our relationship with God. But my featured track from that album is a two-parter with an instrumental, Behold the Messiah, as an intro to Perfectly Complete. And here's Paul to tell us more about these songs. That song is hysterical. Actually, it's actually bettered up next to Perfectly Complete, which is uh, a song that I wrote right off Derek Prince's teaching of Isaiah 53. Uh, Derek, I met Derek in 1970 as a young believer, and uh, he was a person that really turned me on to Israel and showed me uh, more or less a parallel restoration of the church and the nation of Israel and the people of God returning there. He lived in Jerusalem from 1945 to 1958 and then returned there in the 80s until his death in 2003. I just went to his grave in Jerusalem just a week and a half ago. So, uh, But he was really the one that taught me about praying for the peace of Jerusalem, praying for uh, Israel, God's love for Israel. And that song, Behold the Messiah, oddly enough, was when I got my new four-track tape recorder. I record four tracks forward and turn the tape over and played four tracks forward again and turn it back over. And now you have eight tracks playing at one time, four forward, four backwards. And the back masking part of it, I used to get the most hysterical letters from people. You know, people would say, that's cool how you're singing in Hebrew. And it was just, it was just backwards English. And then people say, oh, the Lord gave me interpretation of prophecy. And they tell me, <laughs> so I got a lot of kick out of that. But Behold the Messiah the song Perfect and Complete were really powerhouse part of that record, especially from the standpoint of the whole Oklahoma City Philharmonic playing with me in that song. And um, the part where it goes, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone turned his own way. The Lord has laid upon him the rebellion, avon, the the Hebrew word there, avon, A-V-O-N, kind of like ding-dong, avon calling, rebellion calling. So that, that song really speaks to me still. Comeliness in him, 
no beauty could be found. He was despised and rejected, a man of pain, fully acquainted with sickness, yet we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our sickness and has carried all our pain. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten, afflicted by
In Jesus, we are perfectly complete. Indeed. Paul Clark on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Now, if you're just joining us, we've been listening to a retrospect of the musical ministry of Paul Clark, a true pioneer of Jesus music. And you may want to go back to the website and listen again to this episode. Go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com and open up the tab labeled Playlist. And there you can listen to all the past shows or another way is to simply type in Full Circle Jesus Music at the iTunes store and you can download the program free. Have you ever downloaded the show to share with anyone yet? Let me know if you do. There are other tabs at the website too. Photos, links, radio affiliates, forums, and donations. If you'd like to help with the expenses of producing the show. When the support comes in, the show goes out. It's as simple as that. And looking at the wall of LPs from those days of early Jesus music, I've got a long way to go. But I'll need your help. Thanks. Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Getting back to the heart of the matter on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant, and on this episode of Full Circle, I've been talking to one of the fathers, if not grandfathers, of early Jesus music, Paul Clark. And I asked him about several of the albums and songs that he's done over the last 40 years. We've covered the first two, Songs from the Savior, Volume 1 and 2. His next two were also connected, but not by a similar title, but with similar musicians. For the albums Come Into His Presence, which was subtitled Songs from the Savior, Volume 3, and Good to Be Home, Paul enlisted some Jesus rock heavyweights. Bill Spear on piano, Mike Burkhart on mandolin and guitar, Love Song members Jay Truex and John Mailer on bass and drums, and not least of all, the commanding presence of lead guitarist Bill Kagey. With all six of these brothers in the Lord lending their vocal talents, they brought a new dimension to Christian music. The musical depth was expanded to a, a fuller rock sound, including some of Paul's heaviest moments. These two albums are rightly considered Jesus music classics, and Paul talks about these two releases and how he first met these friends. Well, it was really exciting. My first two records were really made as a infantile musician. I mean, uh, but yet anointed. Have I go back and listen to it? I sound like Mickey Mouse. I only wrote in certain keys because that's the only chords I could play at the time. Uh, but by 1973, my musicianship was improving. And I was learning a lot more chords and how to voice things differently and using capos and that stuff. But in 71, when I was running that coffee shop, a guy named John Bopp, I never forget him, came into my coffee shop and he said, man, I love your music. And I just released Songs for Sarah Volume 1. He wanted to trade me a copy of Volume 1 for his friend from Ohio named Phil Kagey. And we swapped records, and it was the beginning of it's now been a long relationship together. In fact, I'm leaving this interview and going over to his house, and we're going to make a new record together. But when I met Phil, there was immediate chemistry, and he was touring with the band Love Song, and I was opening up for Love Song. And so the first day we met, he and I and Jay Trax and John Mailer had a real bond that day at our first concert together. And when Love Song broke up, I didn't waste a minute picking these three guys and my friend Bill Spear 
uh, to do my next record together. And they came, everyone came to Kansas. Uh, Phil was living in upstate New York at the time near Scott Ross. Uh, Jay and John were living in California. Bill's from Kansas City. And we, um, those two albums, Coming as President and Good to Be Home, were really born out of true fellowship. We all really truly loved each other, loved to play together, loved to be together. And it was, we were, we were like a little infantry battalion. We could go and take a city, you know. And it was really exciting. So that was a change because obviously uh, I brought different musicians to the table than my first two records. And it also was, um, we were really a team, a band. It really was Paul Clark and Friends. In fact, Phil kind of came me the other day, says, hey, we, this new record we're going to do, why don't we call it Paul Clark and Friend? <laughs> anyway, it was a wonderful period of my life that uh, I still look back on with great fond memories. Those two records really did. They were, they were quite iconic in the Jesus movement at the time. Uh, those two albums had a lot of impact because also too musically um, I was I was stretching the boundaries it was, if you listen to some of the songs they were like he'll do the same didn't say any different than Santana you know something like that it was it was kind of taken out of the Jesus music folk uh, you know kind of vibey thing to actually playing some some bona fide professional music and uh, so I'm I'm proud of that for what it was at the time it's, it's pretty good well, here's good news too
Paul Clark and Friends with the title track to his 1974 release, Come Into His Presence, a creative invitation to the freedom of Jesus Christ. Now, the companion album to Come Into His Presence was called Good To Be Home, and it was released a year later. It had the same cast of Paul Clark and Friends from the previously recorded venture. Let me review the album for you. It started out with the catchy hook chorus opener of Holding On To You, and it ended with our featured song, the classic folk ballad, Abide. There were tight vocals, blistering guitar work, and fresh compositions that abounded everywhere in between. Now, in my conversation with Paul, he reflected on the message of the song Abide and what it means in our world today. You know, Jesus makes a real simple statement. Apart from me, you can do fill in the blank, nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not a lot of confusion. I've never heard of a church split over the word nothing. Uh, there's no one disagreeing that nothing is nothing. And when you think about waking up in the morning and all the things you could do during the day that can have eternal value or no value, it's amazing. If you don't abide in Christ, you're really doing nothing. <laughs> it's of any importance. There's nothing wrong with working on your car or you know, going to a baseball game or something like that. Obviously, we're human beings and we enjoy life. But in terms of investing yourself into eternal things, uh, you have to abide in Christ. If you don't abide, you don't get the byproduct of abiding in Christ. And abiding in Christ brings tremendous depth of joy and peace, a massive amount of love. It also brings action. It, it, it brings warfare. It brings sorrow. It brings sacrifice. And it brings self-denial. Because Jesus said, if a man was to follow me, he must deny himself. And I think that's the earmark of our world today uh, that's so different than the Jesus movement 40 years ago. 40 years ago, people were seeking for the truth and for answers. We were truth seekers. We were thirsty and we were like parched children in the desert looking for the truth. Today, people are choking, choking, suffocating, choking on self. We've never lived in a more decadent, self-centered time. And self is the biggest enemy of the cross. Not demons, not LSD, not all the things, transcendental meditation, all the things in the 60s and 70s that choked people back then. Those things are, are small Goliaths compared to the Goliath himself. Self is the biggest enemy of the cross of Christ. Yeah. 
Abide, Paul Clark and Friends, from the album Good to Be Home. Abiding means to dwell, to stay put. So, speaking of abiding, I don't take it for granted that you've taken time to stop and then stay tuned and listen to Full Circle. I just love doing this show. But the thing I dislike the most is having to mention that we need the miracle of your support to continue producing the next episode. Now, I'm not complaining. Listeners have been so responsive to this radio show, sending in requests, compliments, testimonies, even photos from early Jesus music concerts. And some are showing they believe in what we're doing by sharing at our PayPal site. Like my good friends Andy and Nancy Schumacher from San Francisco, California. Thanks so much for being a partner of Full Circle Jesus Music. Now, if everybody would do just a little from time to time, there wouldn't be any delays in getting the next show to you. So, can you help be a miracle? Go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com and find out how. This is Jerry Bryant, and for my last song on this episode of Full Circle, Paul Clark, Part 1, I'm going to jump back one album and revisit the first Paul Clark and Friends album, Come Into His Presence. In my conversation with Paul, he told me how the song, Latter Rain, was birthed, and the significance of his relationship with another legend, Phil Kagi, that continues in his life today. It's interesting, a friend of mine in Kansas City said, hey, I, the Lord's blessed us with a little bit of money, and uh, we want to give a couple thousand dollars to your ministry and, and, and be a blessing to you. And I thought, well, that's, that's great. Thanks, guys. You know, but it was enough money that I thought, hmm. You know, I said, let's, let's do something that you can look at your investment as something that's going to bear some fruit. And I said, you've been touched by Phil's music the last year. Phil and I have been out playing together this last year, doing some concerts together. And one of them was in Kansas City, and my friends, my neighbors in my house came down and met the Kegis and became friends with Phil and Bernadette. And I thought, hmm, let's take your money, and why don't Phil and I do a record together? Call it Phil. He was into it totally. Uh, so we are going to do some old songs, some new songs. This week we're going to start. There's no pressure. We have no record label to say it has to be done by December 28th or whatever. We'll get as much done as we get done this week, and I can come back down on Southwest Airlines and, and finish it if necessary another time but I'm really looking forward to it you know good music quite often is born out of friendship I've known Phil for nearly 40 years and um, out of that you know he has he's a ridiculously talented guitar player his skills you know squelch mine but it's not about trying to stand toe to toe with someone you know I'm a, I'm a, I've become a decent guitar player through the years myself but it's not about trying to outlick each other or hit that uh, it's not a shooting match you know it's about coming together as hearts and with a burden to try to reach people in a fresh way with some songs that still have a lot of power to them and, and doing them in a way that's kind of relevant and uh, unique. So that's kind of what we're, that's all I can say. It's We haven't started rolling bites yet <laughs> instead of rolling tape. Uh, I'm interested to see how where it goes. I really don't know where it's going to go, but I know it'll be good. And I know people that have followed our careers for the last decades uh, won't be disappointed. Full circle. Full circle. The first song, Phil... Kagan are going to record tomorrow is Ladder Rain. We're going to regenerate that song. Uh, I'm going to have my friend Pedro Yastache play the Duke on it. And uh, that song came from, once again, really the knowledge of finding out about Israel, uh, about 
what I believe to be sort of true, the parallel restoration of Israel and the church. It's actually uh, speaking to me more today than it did 40 years ago, or 38 years ago when I wrote it, 37 years ago. From the standpoint of uh, the parallel restoration of the church in Israel, it's interesting. Uh, I have an old book from 1907 that I took in my grandmother's house after she passed away, and it was a, a section called Palestine. And it, I read it about the region. It was mainly owned by Turkish farmers. Aramaic was the language. And down the little box in the corner, it told the population it was practically desolate, nothing there. And it says, the possibility of Hebrew becoming a spoken language again is as remote as Israel becoming a nation again. That was 1907. <laughs> 41 years later, May 14th, Israel became a nation again with its national language as Hebrew. Uh, you look at the church uh, you get the Azusa Pacific outpouring of the Holy Spirit, things that launched a real move of uh, Christianity in our country into a new place. Uh, you look at Israel becoming a, a nation in 1948. Billy Graham's ministry started in 1948. I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting to look at little, little breadcrumbs along the way. And even today, I just came from three weeks in Israel. Israel today mirrors the church. Israel today, I was over there for three weeks. It's 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 chaotic. Uh, it's there's a buzz more than ever. It's sort of ingrown and divided, yet uh, unified. And I could just right now change it to the church. The church is ingrown and chaotic and divided, yet still one. So uh, it's it's very interesting how they sort of mirror each other. I think it's interesting. We were the latter rain of the Jesus movement. I mean, the early rain of the Jesus movement. And I believe there's a latter rain coming in our world right now. Right. And 
church in Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day. Jerusalem will be holy, there will be a fresh fountain. Let her rain, spill your golden drops on the church and Israel. We look forward to the peace of that latter rain, while in the meantime, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. My special guest on this episode was Paul Clark, and part two of my interview with him will be on the next episode of Full Circle. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee written by Russell Baum, and engineered by Jeff Kane. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.